0: Good morning. I'm so glad to be with all of you here at Second Presbyterian. And I want to thank you for your immediate, faithful, and generous support of our ministry in Haiti. These have been a few hard years for the people of Haiti. Because of you, I'm able to be in connection with so many of my friends there. Honestly, I don't know what I would do without Mary Jane Winter. This work that I am privileged to do is a huge element of, this, of the entire Presbyteria, the James, and I just want you to know I am so grateful. Because of your gracious support, I was sent to Haiti in May 2013, and I remained there until September of 2019. I had to leave under the threat of deteriorating conditions several times, the last of which was on March 24, 2020. I had just returned to Haiti after five months and was able to stay for 18 days before the pandemic. Suddenly I was back in Virginia and I've not been able to return. I will tell you more about the current conditions in Haiti of what's going on there, and I understand there is a time of fellowship following worship, and I'm grateful to share more. But for now, I want to talk about the story we just heard. Well, the beautiful story of the Good Samaritan. I also want you to know that I am not sent to Haiti to do or to help. I'm sent to Haiti to be with, to listen. And yes, I receive so much in return. As Alex said, I'm working there with community farmer organizations. Some of these are huge organizations, thousands and thousands of members, and some are relatively small. So I'm able to meet people across this beautiful, small country. The organizations raise funds to build roads, operate schools, provide medical clinics, mitigate erosion. They also work in personal care. If someone has a death in the family and can't afford funeral expenses, in these organizations, the Haitians love their neighbors and take care of them. And together, our organization known as Fondama, works in advocacy, identifying roots of the misery, developing advocacy campaigns, And even while I am here, I am working in advocacy, staying in close connection with our friends in Haiti. A great part of the gift of Haiti has been the way that for the past nine years, I've been able to absorb scripture in new and living ways. So I began to think about this scripture, the Good Samaritan, the story of the man who was from Samaria, a place where They didn't get along with the Jews, and the Jews didn't get along with them, and yet this man forgot all that and loved his neighbor. So I thought of several occasions when I've experienced the good neighbor, and the first one that came to mind was a long time ago, and it wasn't in Haiti. When I was 19, a long time ago, I was a student at Longwood College, and I was taking a musical appreciation class called jazz, folk, rock, and Broadway. And our professor, Bruce Montgomery, offered to take us to New York City. Now please remember, I grew up in Stuart Straft. I went to college in Farmville. New York City was an experience. <laughs> Dr. Montgomery was a cool guy. The other students would tell me, well Dr. Montgomery's religious. I didn't know what that meant. I thought maybe he went to church a lot, maybe he quoted scripture. Was he pious? I hadn't noticed that. We were on our way from Farmville to Manhattan, and Dr. Montgomery gave us the rules. We were going to stay on Sixth Avenue. How he managed uh, to get us into a hotel on the Avenue of the Americas, we will never know. This was his advice When you're walking around the city, always travel in pairs, watch your surroundings, don't ride the subway after dark, befriend a bum. Yeah, he said that, befriend a bum. I don't know if I'd ever seen a bum, but that was his advice. And one evening, my friend Ann and I were traveling back. I think we'd gone to Chinatown. And we were just roaming around the city, and before we knew it, it got dark. Well, we're not supposed to ride the subway. What are we going to do? Well, we decided we would look for a bus. So we went to a bus stop, and we found the sign that had the bus schedule, and we were reading it. And there was this group of men. They were a little bit, shall we say, uncleansed, and they were sitting over to the side on benches. And every time the light would turn green at this, and turn red at this intersection, they would run over and they would ask the people in the cars for something. Well, we watched them. We weren't afraid. We weren't really noticing them. So we stood and waited. We thought the bus would be coming soon. And we waited and we waited and we waited... And one of the men walked over to us and said, can I help you? So imagine this for a minute. It's 1981. We're two young women standing there, obviously not from the city. And I'm sure we were a sight. And we said, we're just waiting for the bus. And they stepped back and they kept an eye on us, all of them. And then the same man came over, looked at the sign, shook his head, said, I'm not sure it's coming. And he walked to a payphone. Remember those payphones? Remember they were on the street? And he walked back, he'd made a call, and he said, he shook his head and said, I don't think it's coming. Well, it was starting to get cold. It was early April. And we started talking to them. And they asked where we were from. They got a couple chuckles out of that. And then they said they were from Pia. 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 What's Pia? They laughed. It's Puerto Rico. So we started exchanging names, and they learned the reality of the rural small college experience, and we learned the reality of being without a home in the chill of April in New York City. Our conversation was interrupted every time the stoplight turned red, and Ann and I started cheering when they got a little bit of money, and we were just as frustrated when the motorists were rude. We stayed with them for about another 20 minutes, and finally the first man who came to talk to us said, you're going to need to take the subway. This is the train you'll need to take. This is the stop you need to get out of. He walked us to the subway. He shook our hands, and he said, God bless you. Befriend of bum. It's always good advice. And 40 years later, it's clear those kind men from Pia indeed befriended two bum college kids who didn't know if the bus was coming. And they became our Good Samaritans. Richard Rohr describes the story of the Good Samaritan this way. What Jesus is doing in this beautiful story is defining what love of neighbor is. It is the concrete practice of loving and caring. We already know, bless you, the love, the law of compassion because it is written in our hearts. And our common sense knows what we're supposed to do, but we still don't do it. We contradict our own good common sense when we seek ritual purity or any kind of moral superiority instead of loving who and what is right in front of us. And you no doubt know that the people of Haiti are suffering even more incredibly these days. It's crazy to think that their ability to provide sustenance to their families is even more difficult than it was a decade ago. Everything in Haiti is more expensive. The goud, their monetary unit, was valued at 43 goods to a US dollar when I went in 2013. I checked yesterday, it's $1.14, 114 gouds to a US dollar. Even when I first arrived in Port-au-Prince, the sheer poverty of the place was mind-numbing. In my first apartment, I had time on my hands. I would roam along Delma, the main thoroughfare, through my neighborhood. It's a four-lane road, not that lanes matter in Haiti. Do Haitians drive on the right and the left or the left? Yes, they do. The vehicles hurry along, and occasionally they'll slow down for a pedestrian, but not always. That's how I met Betillon, Dave, Cano, and Fuido. They're helpers. They help motorists pull into or back out of parking places in the busy traffic. They stop traffic for pedestrians. They jump for any odd job they can find, all for a few goods. And I was that pedestrian. For weeks, whenever they saw me, they'd rush over to help. They would take me by the hand, they would walk into this busy traffic, and they would hold up their hands, and the traffic would stop. They were in their late teens, early 20s. They were among the hundreds of thousands of young people left to their own devices. Without education or stable families. It wasn't long before Betion, Dave, Kenol, and Fuido became my friends. Mama Cindy, they'd call out when they saw me. On Saturdays, they would hang out at the Agape mail service where the missionaries pick up their mail. And I was there most every Saturday, and I would be greeted by Betion, Kano, Dave, and Fuido like I was a queen. If I had extra goods, I'd share. If I didn't, they understood. Once my friend Zo drove me there in his old beat-up Jeep. The radiator was fuming. We weren't sure we'd ever get back. Betion, Dave, Cano, and fuido they quickly found a clean container, ran to found water, and filled up the radiator. Sometimes I'd have to wait to be picked up from Agape. The other missionaries would all get into their cars and leave, and I would sit there and wait for my ride. And you know who was my friend, Betion, Dave, Kano, and Fuido. Well, the missionaries would walk out and see me sitting with them, and they would say, You can't wait there. Let me give you a ride home. You're not safe there. They didn't like Betion, Dave, Kano, and Fuido. They accused them of vandalizing their vehicles if those missionaries refused to give them money. The missionaries wouldn't shake their hands. They'd walk right past them. And they thought I was in danger because I was left alone. And now I've told you how naive I was when I was nineteen. I'm not that much better now. But I can tell you this. Betty Dave, Keno, and Fuido, they're my friends. When I returned to Haiti, I pray God. I will see them again. I don't know what's become of them. When the Haitian police show photos of gang members they've arrested, I look closely. Because desperate times call for desperate measures. And joining a gang in Haiti is as desperate a measure as you can get. But I can tell you in telling this story, I cannot judge those other missionaries. Just like I cannot judge the Levite or the priest who refused to help the injured man in the ditch on the road to Jericho. Richard Rohr in his homily explains this. Priests and Levites had to maintain ritual purity. In Judaism at that time, touching a dead body made a person ritually impure. That's perhaps the man, the reason that they walk past the man. They're not necessarily bad people. They're just trying to maintain their ritual purity so they could enter the temple. This is the part of the story. Love is more important than ritual purity. These men want to be pure and do their priestly works, so they pass up a chance to love an ordinary human being. You could say the missionaries also passed up the chance to love Betion, Kenol, Dave, and Fuido, And you could say it that in this case, you know who the Good Samaritan is. He isn't me. From the beginning, these four young men, with barely anything to their name, found me in need, and helped me. The only difference between me and the other missionaries is that what happened next is that I became their friends. I'm no good Samaritan. Most days, the best I can do is try not to be a Levite or a priest, but I'm willing to try. These are trying times indeed, and we need to try. And how can we be the good Samaritan? Can we ask our government to do the right thing and do no harm in nations like Haiti when we go to help? Can we listen to those we think we don't agree with? That's a hard one for me. Several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to be in Louisville and I was invited to the home of Ellen Sherby, who works in World Mission. Her husband, Elmer, runs an immigrant ministry. And Elmer, in Spanish, gave us a sermon sitting in the backyard eating our pizza about listen to the people you don't agree with. It will be okay. And it's what we have to do to learn to be together. Elmer's message to us was to love. Can we give a few dollars to the person standing at the corner with the ratty sign without an expectation of thanks or silent accusations of the person's decision-making. Can we take prayerful time to consider if we have done wrong and do our best to make it right? Among the many kidnapping stories I've heard, several involve the younger men or boys who were charged with guarding the kidnappee. To give you a little bit of perspective there were 240 people we know of kidnapped just in May. That's how prevalent this is. But in at least three of these occasions, from people I know, some of these young people asked the ones that they guarded, when you're released, can you come back and find me? Will you help send me to school? Let that sink in for a moment. And knowing some of these people that I know who've been kidnapped, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they don't remember those young people. Civil rights activist Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, On the parable of the Good Samaritan, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite stopped asked was, If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? By the very nature of this concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? There are lots of people out there waiting for the Good Samaritan of all ages, of all circumstances, of all socio-political backgrounds, all walks of life. When Jesus is speaking with the curious lawyer, he doesn't waste words. He asks questions, he tells a story, and then he says... Go and do likewise. Be like the one who showed mercy. Good Samaritan or not, let us all be the one to show mercy. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, we come to you filled with humility and with gratitude of all that we are able to attain in our lives. We come to you with the hurts and the harms that we have felt by the barbs and the blessings we feel. And loving God, we ask you to stop us in those moments when we have the opportunity to do likewise, to be the one who doesn't judge but shows mercy and loves all of your children. May we all learn to love your children as deeply, as firmly, as everlastingly as you love us. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen.